0: Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. This is God's word. Please give it your full attention. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 9. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered, and we're going to change that, but he who has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall short may someone that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience this is god's word please be seated and as you're seating or sitting let me pray <clears throat> gracious father gracious god three and one one and three we praise honor adore and exalt you and you alone this morning To you alone be glory, praise, and honor. Now be gracious to us as your word goes forth. Give to us by the power of your spirit the grace to hear, to understand, and to believe your word this morning. Let your word not pass through our ears and through our hearing without us, Lord, seeing and understanding and believing the sense for which you've intended it to be. I decrease that you may increase. Be glorified for your glory and for the, the sake and benefit of your people. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We are continuing our series, First Things, a study through Genesis chapters 1 through 3. And prayerfully, you have learned much about the Sabbath over the past three weeks. We first began by considering the Creator's Sabbath. We learned that God established a a pattern, a principle, and a promise through the Sabbath day. We then, in our second sermon, considered the case for the change from the seventh day Sabbath to the first day Christian Sabbath, and we gave six considerations for the change of the day. And last Lord's Day Sabbath, we considered Christ and the Sabbath. We learned that Christ, The Lord Jesus Christ himself observed the Sabbath in spite of the accusations that Christ rejected the Sabbath theologically, that Christ rejected the Sabbath in practice, and and also that Christ taught others to reject the Sabbath. We learn that Christ not only observed the Sabbath himself, but used the Sabbath day on many occasions to clarify misunderstandings and abuse of the Sabbath. We learn that Christ is Lord of the Sabbath. Remember that? Not that he does with the Sabbath whatever he wishes to do, but that he possesses the perfect, infallible understanding and interpretation of the Sabbath day as the author of the Lord of the Law and as the author and intender of the Lord's day or Sabbath. We learn that Christ fulfilled the seventh-day Sabbath of the Old Testament and institutes for his church The first day Sabbath, which we are celebrating today as the inauguration of a new creation, namely a people for his own praise and glory, you, me, the church. And now, brothers and sisters, we come to our fourth sermon, fourth sermon on the Sabbath. And and what we are going to deal with today assumes or brings all things together that we've been saying over the past three sermons It is found in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. This morning we are going to make our final case that a Sabbath remains. This morning we are making our final case that a Sabbath remains. Hebrews 4 is the passage that we are using to support the case for the day of sacred rest for the people of God in the inaugurated new covenant. Now... The case for the Sabbath, listen, brothers and sisters, is not made with one verse. You hear that? The case for the Christian Sabbath is not made with one verse. But I do believe that we have made a good case over the past three sermons, but that this passage that we're dealing with this morning is the best passage to make a case for the Sabbath. You hear that? So... The the case cannot be made in one verse. But of all the verses that support a Sabbath, this is the best one. There are a few things that we need to understand before we get into these verses. So this morning we will understand these two verses, three verses, with three points. Number one, we must first understand the context, the context of Hebrews chapter 4 verses 9 through 11. Um, I will mention that I am indebted for, to Rich Barcelos for sending us his new book that hasn't even come out yet uh, to help us in these sermons and to help us especially with this sermon. Number one, the context. You must understand the context of Hebrews 4 through 9. Now, in order to understand the context of Hebrews 4, 9 through 11, you must, we must have an understanding of the Old Testament people of God who wandered through the wilderness until they finally entered the promised land of Canaan. Got that? The people of Israel, wandering in the desert as they are released from captivity of Egypt. You must have at least a grasp or an understanding or a sense of that story in order to understand Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. Amen? Amen. It is difficult then to begin with verses 9 through 11 because the author begins his argument That culminates in nine through eleven. He begins his argument in chapter three. So let's go to chapter three in Hebrews chapter three, verses one through six. The author to the book of Hebrews, and we assume that it's Paul, but the author to the book to the to the Hebrews boldly proclaims, "Christ is greater than Moses." Here's the context now that as we're building, Christ is greater than Moses. You should ask yourselves when you read things like that, in what way? In what way is Christ greater than Moses? The author tells us everything that Moses spoke about pointed to Christ. Everything that, 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 that Moses promised through God was fulfilled in Christ. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 5, Moses was faithful in God's house as servant to testify to things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as what? As his son. Moses is God's servant. Jesus is God's son. Christ has come and he is that which Moses pointed toward. And now let's read verses 3 through 11 in chapter 3. Or 7 through 11. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Do you hear that? Christ is greater than Moses. Therefore, if you hear Christ today, your response should be, do not harden your hearts. As who? As the people of Israel did. The ones that we said, you must know their story. Because they hardened their hearts. Going on. As they did in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers, God speaking, put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said they will. They always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. And here's what God's promise is to those who rebelled. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Now. Take rest very take a, a, a very close pay very close attention to the word rest. What rebellion? Those who wandered through through Egypt, the deserts. What testing? Again, the wilderness wandering of the people of Israel. Because they did not believe God, because they did not keep covenant with God, who brought them out of Egypt, God did not allow them to enter his what? His rest. They entered the land of Canaan, but they never entered the rest of God. You see that? It is the Sabbath rest of God. And the word uses, uh, God uses a, a particular word to denote rest. I'm going to say it and you're going to hear it a lot. It's in Greek, katapausis, katapausis. You're going to see rest, katapausis, rest, katapausis all the time or frequently in these two chapters. Now, track with me. The author of Hebrews is saying the people did not enter into catapausis, rest, the rest of God. Why? Because they did not believe. They did not obey God. And they did not believe in God. They did not obey because they did not believe. You with me? And the writer gives us and the hearers a sober warning in verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be in you, in any of you, an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. What's the the, the warning? Don't be like them. And and the writer is not just speaking to the Hebrew hearers of that day, but, but to you here today. Don't be like them. Their bodies fell dead in the desert because of unbelief and because of disobedience. And because of their unbelief and their disobedience, they did not enter into God's catapausis, God's rest. Now, in light of this knowledge that you have about these rebellious people and their failing to enter into that rest, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Now, listen to this. While, or therefore, while the promise of entering into his catapausis rest remains or still stands. Let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. What is he saying? The promise of entering into his katapausis, his rest, the creator's rest, it still stands. Listen, look at me for a second. There is a rest that is still yet before you, the writer is saying. There is a, a promise of rest that is still ahead of you. Therefore, do not be like them who came before you. Amen. They did not enter into God's rest because they did not walk humbly before God. So you don't make the same mistake. Live a life that is striving to enter. Walk like you have been brought from death to life. Like you are a new creation in Christ. Not just you say you are a a new creation in Christ. That you are a new creation. Not children of darkness, but children of the light. Why? Because you are looking forward also. To a promise of rest that is still yet before you. There is still a promise. The promise still stands, as the writer says. Verse 2 of Hebrews 4. For good news came. Listen. To us, just as to them. The message they heard did not benefit them because they they, they were not united by faith with those who listened. They heard the same gospel you hear. They received the same promises that you hear. But they didn't do the same thing that you should do: believe and obey. They heard what you hear, but they did not believe and obey. Don't be like them, because there was a promise yet before you, and because of that, because of that failing to believe and obey, they did not enter rest. But for those who do, which what he says in verse three, as I swore in my wrath, or swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest because of unbelief. They did not enter the catapausis. We've discussed this. God entered into his Sabbath rest. Remember that? After doing what? When God enters his rest after he does, after he did what? Worked doing what? Creation. After he completed creation. Work was complete as far as creation was concerned. God enters into his rest, Right? There was nothing left for God to complete as far as creation was concerned. God rest. He entered into his enthronement over creation. In that work, God sets a day apart to do what? To commemorate completed work. To commemorate completed work. God blesses that day. Makes that day holy. God creates man in his image. Gives him the task of what? Of what? Working. And as the creator worked... And commanded rest on the seventh day. The seventh day is a day of rest. It is a catapausis. Or it it is a a, a, a holy day. We're going to get into that catapausis right now. The seventh day was a sign for man that what? That there was laid before him. Each time he observed this day, it was a sign that there was laid before him a rest that he could attain if he did what? Worked and obeyed or obeyed through work. Obey and you too shall enter this catapausis, this rest. The creator's rest. Did man obey? No, man did not obey. Man failed to enter into that rest and he failed also to bring humanity into that rest. People long for rest, but never attained it. David pointed out that the people of God never entered that rest. Even though Joshua brought them into the land of Canaan, and even though they had rest from their enemies, they did not enter into the Creator's rest. What does the writer say? In verse 8, chapter 4, for if Joshua had given them rest, if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. You got that? Joshua didn't enter the, the, the consummated rest. The completed rest that God had promised. He didn't bring those people into that completed, consummated rest. Consummated, remember, means what? Complete. Right? Remember that? Consummated, complete rest. If Joshua brought those people into that rest, then there would be no more mention of a day of rest. Joshua didn't do it. David did not do it. On and on. If there had been rest, if rest had been accomplished, there would be no use for a sign. There would be no, no use for a day that points to rest that is still yet before us. You with me? Amen. But as it is, a day remains. Yeah. Why? Because rest is yet to be fully accomplished or realized. Brothers and sisters, now you get into verses 9 through 11. Now let us consider the exposition. Here's your second point. So number one was your context. Number two is your exposition. Number two, exposition of Hebrews 9 through 11. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. I'm reading from the New American Standard. Let us also therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. The author of the Hebrews has just labored to show us that those who came before never entered into God's what? Rest, katapausis. Got me? Moses never gave it, Joshua never gave it, David never gave it, etc., etc., etc. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 3 says, "But we who have believed enter that rest." How have we entered into that rest? Through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. By grace alone, faith alone, and Christ alone, God has given us rest in Christ. He is the rest giver. But the author is saying something very interesting, though. Because in verse 9... He says, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. That does not say, so then Christ is your Sabbath rest. It does not say that. You with me? It says, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Or in Greek, listen to this, there remains a, I'm going way fast, am I? In Greek, I'm sorry, it's all in me, it's just blowing out. In Greek, there is a sabbatismos. There remains a sabbatismos. The writer is taking the Hebrew term for Sabbath. Taking it from the Old Testament, Shabbat. And transferring it into the new. You see that? He's grabbing an Old Testament word. That if you are a Hebrew reader, you would automatically say, whoa, wait a minute, I recognize that word, Shabbat. And he is translating and transforming it into the New Testament, sabbatismos. Now, you are looking at me like this, and big deal. If you read through Hebrews 4, though, you will see why it's such a big deal. Because there's a, a theme in Hebrews three and four, and it's a theme of God's rest. Look at your, your Bibles for just a second. Hebrews 3:11. Rest. Hebrews 3:18. Rest. Chapter four, one. Rest. Four, three. Rest, four, five. Rest, Four eight, rest, four, nine, through 11. Rest. Let me ask you a very obvious question. What's the theme of chapters 3 and 4? Rest. rest, rest. Rest. We have seen the promise of entering his rest. And in the meantime, verse 11, let us therefore strive to enter that rest. Be diligent to enter that rest. But when we read verse 9, there's a different word being used. The whole time... The author to the Hebrews has been saying, catapauses, 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 rest, there's a rest, there's a rest. And then you would think that when he gets to verse 9, he would continue to use the word that he's been using this whole time. But he doesn't. He changes the language. We come to verse 9, which is the crux of the chapter. Everything that he said before verse 9 revolves around everything that he's going to say up to verse 9. And instead of using the same word that he's been using this whole time for rest, catapausis he suddenly uses a very familiar word to an Old Testament Hebrew reader, sabbatismos. Now, if you were a first century reader who reads Greek, this is going to jump off the page to you. If you are paying attention as a 21st century reader and you're seeing rest, 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 and all of a sudden you see sabbath. That should jump off the page to you. Why? Brothers and sisters, this is the only place in all of the New Testament where the word sabbatismos appears. You hear that? If you're taking notes, big point. This is the only place in all of the New Testament where the word sabbatismos, uh, spell it how it sounds, appears. It's not only a different word, it's a uniquely special word. The author is striking at a point. He's grabbing our attention with the use of his words in light of all that has been said up until this point. Conclusion. Therefore, there remains a sabbatismos. Let me ask you a question. What do you think sabbatismos means? Well, it's translated it for us, Sabbath, but more literally A Sabbath keeping. Or, more literally, keep Sabbath. There remains a sabbatismos, a Sabbath. Keeping of Sabbath or keep Sabbath. It is a day that has been set apart by God. What is the author aiming toward when he uses this language of sabbatismos? Brothers and sisters, what's the context? In order to find out what the author is shooting for, you must understand the context. We already went through it. When God completed the work of creation, he rested on the seventh day. God did a great work. God rested. Called man to enter into that work. But did man enter into that work or into that rest? No. Man rebelled against God and failed to enter into God's catapausis rest. But that did not eliminate the sabbatismos. What's the sabbath? It is a promise sign that there is rest yet ahead of you. You hear that? God's people observed the seventh day. They kept the Sabbath as a sign. Listen, they kept the seventh day as a sign that they were the people of God. That they were also looking forward to the one who would bring them rest. God raised up Moses. Moses did not bring the people of God into that rest. God raised up Joshua, who did not bring the people into that rest, brought them into the land, but not the rest. There is a rest that is set before God's people that Adam failed to attain, that Noah failed to attain, that Moses, Joshua, David failed to attain. But the author argues, but that Christ does not fail to attain. Christ does give us rest. There are those who will say, well, then see, no more Sabbath. Christ is our Sabbath. The author doesn't say Christ is our Sabbath. And and I'm going to say this again. The Sabbath, Christ is not a day. Christ is a person who gives to us promises and rest. Amen. It is interesting that the author says in verse three that we have entered. We have now we have that rest in verse three. But then in verse 11, he says, and we are still entering. Let us strive to enter. We have it. And let us strive to enter into it. What does that mean? It is yours in Christ. Christ. You are here. Christ has accomplished that which we could never accomplish. He has sat down at the right hand of the Father and accomplished work that we could not, could not ever accomplish. He has sat down. He has entered his rest. Amen. Amen. You are secure in him. But you're still here. But you're still here. Therefore, let us strive to enter in. Isn't that interesting? You are here, but let us continue to strive to enter. There is an already not yet motif that the author is pointing out to the believer. You've entered. You are in in Christ. And you must anticipate the perfection of rest that is still yet laid before you in Christ. Therefore, keep a Sabbath or onward, upward. Keep striving now for the one who says, no, Christ is my Sabbath. That makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. And and listen, and it denies all the precious promises that are yet to be realized in the consummation and completion of all things. So if you say it's 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 mine, there is no more Then this day is set apart as a sign to look forward to that which you don't have yet. So if you say, no, I do. Then why are you still here? Why are we still here? Why is there still sin? Why do I wake up with pain in my body this morning? Because I have not yet entered into that consummation. It's been inaugurated, but it's not yet been consummated. I'm still looking forward to that. As I gather each Lord's Day, it has been a blessing. A blessing to know that this is something that I get to look forward to forever. This is the blessing. All of the accomplishments of Christ are complete in him, but they are yet to be realized. Christ has entered the rest. You haven't. In him you have, but not fully. Why do I say not fully? Because you're still here. If you say, no, I have, then tell yourself that when you go through your days. Your days, you know what I mean? The days you don't like so much. You are secure in Christ. But if you want to experience the full effects of your security, go deeper. Go deeper to experience the present rest you have in Christ and the future rest that is still yet yours in Christ. Continue to enter in. And on days like this, God gives us a a weekly reminder of the grace that is ours in Christ, but is not yet fully realized. How? Through keeping the Sabbath. What's the author getting at? Why did the author go from using the term catapausis to using the word sabbatismos? The author is saying this, and I'm going to slow down this part. Just as God rested in creation. Pause. See that? And he's making this case. Just as God rested in creation, when he finished his work, completed his work, there is a, 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 a entering in to rest. So Christ has rested from his work. And there is a Sabbath. You want to make the connection? There is a connection between God's work in creation and completion. Christ's work in his life, death, and resurrection, completion. What is this work commemorated by? A day of rest. A Sabbath day. What is this work commemorated by? A day of rest. A Sabbath. God rested from his work on the seventh day. Therefore, we keep a Sabbath because God made that day holy. Now Christ has rested from the work of redemption. He sat down, the author says, so you too keep a Sabbath. Because there was a promise of entering into God's rest, the people of the Old Testament did what? They kept the Sabbath. Because there was a promise of entering into rest for you in Christ, what must you do? Keep a Sabbath. Is this all that that you expect to have in Christ? All the promises of of God are are yours. Yes. Do you know and realize them fully right now? No. Then why are your kids? Yes. If you say yes, then why don't your kids love you perfectly? Well, they're not saved because you haven't entered into the consummation. Why do you struggle, spouses, to love each other perfectly? Why do we have to struggle so often to get our minds off of this world and to focus them on God? The author is saying Christ has completed the work of inaugurating a new creation via the work of redemption. And we are to keep a Sabbath to commemorate that finished work and look forward to the consummation. Our present Sabbath. Listen, this is a means, a gracious means of directing us homeward. You hear that this is a a great means of 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 directing us to look forward to our eternal Sabbath rest to look home because of what Christ has done in his life, death and resurrection. Keep a Sabbath and anticipate heaven in the Old Testament. The people of God kept Sabbath in order to look forward to the coming of the Messiah who would bring them peace. He came. And he did away with that Sabbath. And through his resurrection, he institutes and inaugurates a new creation and a new Sabbath for the people of God to do what? To look forward to his return. There is a catapausus, a rest that is laid up for the people of God. Therefore, keep a Sabbath. It's a, a Sabbath day to remind you to fix your eyes not on what is seen. But on what is unseen. To remind you that you are sojourners in this world. Just as Israel was a sojourner and wanderer in the desert. Peter reminds us that we are foreigners in this world. That that God has given us this day to set us apart. To remind us of that great truth. You are not of this world. Theologians have made this great distinction. This is a sacred day. This is not a, a sacred day for rest. It is a day for sacred rest. It's not the day it's it's the rest that God has given us in this day and praise God for that. God set this day through revelation apart as holy for his people to look forward to that rest. There is still a Sabbath keeping and the writer is saying, listen, you've observed this all your life. There has always been a day set apart for you to keep your eyes or to fix your eyes homeward or heavenward. So that you can be reminded that there was a promise laid before you to enter God's rest. And the author is saying this. It's still here. It's not gone. There is a Sabbath keeping for the people of God. This God instituted cycle continues. The author says in verse 2 that they were looking forward to the promise. Hearing the gospel just like you but didn't believe it. They didn't profit from the Sabbaths. And entering into the land under Joshua. But you should keep a Sabbath. You should be, be mindful of the gospel, benefit from the gospel, and look forward unto Christ who will bring to you completion of all things. A dear brother asked me this past week, are you a Sabbatarian? Are we Sabbatarians? And I said, yes. I observe this day. I love this day. And, and I look forward when I worship on this day to the, the eternal rest that is mine, but not yet fully. In Christ. Yes, I observe this day. Without a Sabbath, we are declaring we don't need heaven. We don't need the promise of it or the blessings of it. The Sabbath rest is for the people of God. Did you know in Exodus chapter 20, it was a sign for the people of God. What? That they are the people of God. In Exodus chapter 20, the the sign of the Sabbath was for the people of God. For what? To show that they are the people of God. What about you? The principle has not changed. The principle has not been abrogated. Here why I said principle has not been abrogated. The day has changed. But the principle remains. We have a Sunday evening worship now. Come. Observe not just the Lord's morning. Is it the Lord's morning? Or is it the Lord's day? It's his day. Come, do not forsake that time. I'm sure for you and for me, at least, it has been glorious to come and worship in the morning, to spend time with family or fellowship with the believers in between and then come back once again for worship and then to end my night with my son and with my wife praying and considering the wonderful things that God has done for us today. What is it doing? It's, It's reminding me that we have in Christ an eternal rest, that this day will be that but so much sweeter. It is a means of grace, as we will talk about soon, a gift from God to God's people for God's glory and the good of his people. Christ has come, and this hasn't changed. Listen, the day has changed. The grounds of the rest has not changed, though. The mode has changed. We're not observing ceremonial meals and sacrifices as an act of worship on this day. But there is a meal, the Lord's Supper. There are sacrifices. They there are true, living sacrifices who are, are, are not keeping their eyes on this world or being squeezed in by the world, but they are declaring as they are present for worship that we are not of this world. We no longer worship on the seventh day, but the first day, because work has been accomplished. Therefore, we worship, rest, and then go to work. Now, is it really that big of a deal? Who cares? Whether or not we have a Sabbath. Does it really matter? Let me ask you a very simple question. Did anyone in the Bible, in all of Scripture, ever think like that? Did the saints that we read of in Scripture say, who cares about a Sabbath? Did they think, not a big deal. A day set apart for worship, who cares? Anybody in Scripture? How did the saints in sacred scripture observe or see the Sabbath? Did they dismiss it as being irrelevant? We don't want to answer that question. We know the answer to that question. Oh, but Romans 14, brother. Galatians 4, brother. Colossians. I'll demolish those arguments next week. And I've already done so. We don't want to be told that we must observe a day. We don't want any obligations on ourselves. Right. To make it a creation mandate, oh, too strong language. Right. I'm free to do whatever I want. To, I want to do free from the law. That's right. Are you free from the law or are you free to the law? I'll acknowledge the historical significance, but you're not going to put a moral obligation on me, mm-hmm. brothers and sisters. A people that reject the notion that Christ has given His people a day that is set apart for worship. A day that that is set apart for looking unto heaven. A day that is a sign that we are not 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 that we are the people of God. A person who rejects these things does not understand the Sabbath, the law, does not understand the gospel, and I would dare to say does not understand God. Brothers and sisters, you are not given a Sabbath as the Old Testament saints are given the Sabbath. It's not a yoke, it's a blessing. It's a means of grace. And so when someone asks me, are you a a, a Sabbatarian? I already know. And I I actually said to the brother, when you ask that question, you must take away all of the negative connotations that you have about the Sabbath that has been imposed on you all your life by thinking the Sabbath is a bad thing. That the law is a bad thing or that you observe the Sabbath as an Old Testament Israelite observed the Sabbath. First, get that out of your head. And then, now see the wonder and beauty, the gift of the Sabbath that God has given you. It is a means of directing us toward eternal rest and all the promises of the gospel in Jesus Christ. Where the writer to the Hebrews makes, and this is where the writer to the Hebrews makes this transition of it being a duty for a ground or, or for keeping a Sabbath. Verse 10, in the NASB, uh, NASB for the one or he. Your Bible may say, whomever, if you're using an ESV, and that's an incorrect translation. It should be. And actually, the King James Version got this right, too. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Now, let me ask you, who do you think in reading that passage the one is? Who's the one that entered his rest, rested from his works, just like God? Not you, not y'all, right? He, the one, this is referring to Christ. Christ rested from his work of redemption, listen, in a way that is comparable or comparable to God's resting in his work of creation. God rested on the Sabbath day after six days of work, sets a pattern for rest and a promise for your rest. Joshua, again, didn't fulfill it. No one fulfilled it. Christ fulfilled it, and He has entered into His rest. He ceases from His works in a way that is comparable to God ceasing from His works. Do you see what the writer is doing? Again, and I'm saying this over and over again, the writer is comparing creation of God to redemption in Christ. Amen. Amen. Why should you keep a sabbatismos? I just made made a face like those all right now. Why should you make a? Why should you keep a Sabbath? Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And he rose from the dead to die no more. He ceased from his works, just as God on the seventh day ceased from his works. Christ sat down at the right hand of the Father. And now the writer of the Hebrews. And that, and that is how the, 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 the author begins in, the chapter, in chapter one, I think. Christ sat down. What was our sixth point in the case from the seventh to the first? we were making the, the, or the, the comparison between God's finished work in creation and Christ's finished work in redemption. Both commemorated by a day set apart for worship. Why keep a sabbatismos? Because Christ's rest parallels God's rest. God created and brought a Sabbath. Jesus redeemed and brought a Sabbath. I don't know how many other ways I can say this. I'm cooking eggs a lot of different ways this morning. (laughs) There is a Sabbath for you based on the redemption of Christ. And it is for you to look ahead. Look ahead to the consummation of all things that Christ brings in his return. The vision that John had in Revelation. What's the vision of? It's of catapausus. It's of rest. As he's doing what? Observing a sabbatismus. He's in, in the spirit on the Lord's day. As John is observing a sabbatismos, he gets a vision of catapausis. As John is observing a Sabbath, he gets a vision of rest. That Christ has won for his people. That we have have, but not yet. So what's he saying? Be Sabbath keepers. Just as God and God, just as God's people have always done. Christ's work is complete. The only thing to compare it to is God's work in creation. But Christ's work outshines that work. Number three. And in conclusion. The application to Hebrews 4, 9 through 11. Verse 11 Let us, therefore, strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. When we come in, we celebrate the completed work of Christ. It is our declaration that Christ has risen, that he is returning, and that when he returns, he will give to us perfect, eternal rest. Brothers and sisters, are you observing this day in that way? Meaning, when you come... On the Lord's Day, are you seeing these things as your reason for existing today? Meaning, when you come to worship on the Lord's Day, is your mind fixed on Christ? When you leave, is your mind fixed on Christ? When you conversate with family or friends, are you fixing your mind homeward? When you lay your head to rest at night, on this day especially, are you reflecting on all of the wonderful things that have been done on this day, all of the means of grace that God has provided for you, and are you being reminded that this is mine in Christ, and it will one day be perfect when he returns? That's what this day is for. John Owen uh, says, Some vainly assume that the Sabbath belonged only to the Old Testament church and not the new. When we read the Gospels, we see added benefits, better covenant, better promises. And the Old Testament had lesser promises. But you know what they did have? They had a day. There was a day to look forward to the promises. Yes, better and new here. But would God rob us of a means of grace that he gave to his Old Testament people? No. But he gives it to us in a more fulfilled and better understanding way. Has God taken away that advantage? I think not. Therefore let us be diligent. To enter into that rest. You have a, a Sabbath that is grounded in Christ. You are secure in Christ. Therefore let us strive to enter that rest. What does that mean? Do you simply come? And then when you leave. Live. Live. In any kind of way that that reflects that you do not belong to Christ. No, when you leave here, you live a life that is striving to show that you belong to Christ, do you not? And you live every single day in ways that you hope to to display that God is glorified in your life and that you have been brought from darkness to light. Do you not? What are you doing? You are striving to enter into that rest every single day. And, and let me ask you. Do you believe that you are right now secure in Christ? Don't say, I don't know. Faith alone, Christ alone, grace alone. Yes, it is Christ who has completed your work. But do you go on the rest of your, of your week and day living in sin? Intentionally? No. Why? Because you are striving to show that you belong to Christ. And, and how is that taking place? The Spirit of God is working on the inside of you to do things that you could not do apart from him. How are you persevering? Because you are so strong. Because Christ or the Holy Spirit in you is preserving you. And as you persevere, you are striving every single, every single day, every difficult step that you are making, every temptation by temptation, every trial. Step by step, struggle by struggle, striving to enter into the rest that God has laid before you. And this day is a reminder that it is there. Keep on running. What does he say in Hebrews? Strengthen your feeble knees. Pick up your arms. Run. Run. Strive to enter into that rest. It is yours. But don't stop. Don't give up and say, okay, it's mine. Now I can just sit back. Never. Never. Strive to enter into that rest every single day. And God has given to us one day out of seven to remind you, keep on running. Why is that the men's thing uh, on Thursdays called the race to remind you, keep running, keep running, keep striving toward the goal. Lest what? Lest we fall into disobedience lest we fall into unbelief, lest our bodies fall dead in the desert yes. as those in the rebellion. Yes. They were not believing what God said. Right. But you must. They did not observe this day in the way that it should have been. But you must. They did not believe. They did not take advantage of the blessings and the advantages that God had given. You must. Amen. Amen. Don't be like them. Hallelujah. Look. Unto Christ the author and finisher of your faith. Hebrews, we'll go through Hebrews one of these days. Keep your eyes fixed on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be heavenly minded Christians. Don't say the old uh, foolish saying. So heavenly minded you're no earthly good. That's not biblical. That's right. Fix your eyes on Christ. Yeah. Those who have their minds on the things of the flesh. Will die. But those are the minds of the Spirit. They shall live. Trust in Christ. Walk in the light as He is in the light. Strive toward that rest. Press on. Press on. Because Christ has accomplished work that you cannot. So press on. If you love Him, keep His commands. They are not burdensome. They are a gift. We have peace with God. We are at rest with God because of Christ. Therefore, keep his commands. You have not been saved again from the law, but to it. Why should I persevere? Because Christ has entered his rest. And you are now presently entering as well. So keep on moving. Onward. Upward in Christ Jesus. Let us stand.